Nothing in life is to be feared. It is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. Marie Curie Hi, everybody, and welcome back to um, Emetophobia Health. This is Anna Christie. I'm your host, um, recovered emetophobic and psychotherapist licensed, um, specializing in emetophobia. Um, today, I'm going to do a monologue of sorts. Um, I'm the only person going to be talking, so I guess in that sense, it's a monologue uh, for sure. But it's on the topic of norovirus, as I'm sure you know when you clicked. Um, it's right in the middle of the season when norovirus is probably, you know, this is one of the months when it's when it's more prevalent. Um, it's around more. It is around all year, but um, you know, the winter, everybody's kind of crammed together in schools and inside places. And and so that, that can make a difference. Um, I have a number of um, windows open and pieces of paper in front of me. I spent a couple of days doing some research because the last time I wrote about norovirus was in 2009 with my son-in-law who was then um, studying microbiology. He subsequently switched to botany, um, but nevertheless, he, he did study norovirus and knows quite a bit about it. I've run all of this through him. So I'm gonna go ahead and get started by just talking for a while. And then I did put out on a couple of Facebook groups um, answering questions, your questions. So I will do that as well. Um, so norovirus is um, the newest term for, it's a short form for Norwalk-like viruses, because there was a really bad uh, virus that came out in Norwalk, um, which is the name of a town in America somewhere. Um, and so they called it the Norwalk virus and it, it, everyone dreaded it. But then the rest of these are all, all like it, which was good because we didn't really, uh, scientists didn't really have a term for it that was adequate. Um, it is also called the stomach flu, which is kind of a misnomer because it is not a flu or influenza. It's not related to a flu. Um, it, they're called stomach viruses, stomach bugs, winter viruses, winter vomiting virus, winter vomiting flu, that kind of thing. Also medically known as gastroenteritis viral. There is also a bacterial gastroenteritis, which is pretty rare and contagious as well, but not as contagious. Um, pretty much typically what you see is um, norovirus, gas, which is a gastroenteritis viral, viral uh, gastroenteritis. Um, Noroviruses belong to the family of viruses or Calicrividae. It is a non-enveloped virus, so that means it doesn't have a little shell or an envelope uh, around it like some other viruses, and it's a str single-strand RNA if you're interested in that. Um, since I, I wrote, uh, my son-in-law and I wrote the um, 
article in 2009, um, norovirus has now been divided into 10 genogroups, G1 through G10, um, and they are in Roman numerals. So you might see GI, for example, um, all the way to GX for the 10 genogroups. And of those genogroups, 48 genotypes. So the um, so you might see something like GII, which is genovirus 2.4, meaning the four is the fourth genotype. And then of those genotypes, there have been variants, just like you're hearing about variants for COVID right now. There are variants of, of these specific noroviruses. Um, for, so you might see something like G2.4 Sydney or New Orleans or Hong Kong. And those three are actually now the most common worldwide noroviruses that you'll see circulating. So previously, when there weren't this many genogroups and genotypes and variants, if you got norovirus in October, you couldn't get it again till you know, it may it would mutate the next year or something like that. But there are so many mutations and variants out there now that your kids or you actually can get not the same one, but one of these different ones. That is less likely. I do see people talking online about that happening to them or their family. But generally speaking, it's going to be one particular um, variant or genotype that's going around in your area. And if you catch that and you, you know, you're not going to catch it again, it's going to keep going around and, and you won't, you won't get that one again until it mutates into something else. A lot of people have asked about uh, a vaccine and they have been working on a vaccine, but kind of like the problem you're seeing with COVID is there would have to be a lot of, they would have to keep updating this vaccine. So it's not that they can't come up with a vaccine. It's that they don't think people would tolerate going at least once a year or more to get uh, a norovirus vaccine. Now, I'm pretty sure everybody listening here would do that. <laughs> but um, and a lot of people with kids having gone through it once would probably do it too or give it to their kids. Um, but it's a it's it's a it's kind of a huge monstrosity and right now um of course all these microbiologists virologists and immunologists are concentrating on covid because many 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 more people die of covid healthy people can die of covid healthy people cannot die of norovirus so people that die of norovirus are um very elderly or very young and they actually die from dehydration no one takes them to a hospital so it's, you know so it's not a dangerous virus in that sense um they uh so this noroviruses are very contagious um they incubate for 12 to 48 hours with 24 hours being the most common. It depends on what we call your viral load. How much of the virus have you ingested or swallowed? Um, this virus, these viruses, I should say, are only contagious through the oral fecal route, which I, I know is disgusting, but just 
bear with me for a moment, or the oral vomitus route. So you have to actually swallow fecal matter, somebody's poop, or somebody's vomit, like microscopic bits of it. You have to swallow in order to get sick. Unlike COVID and some other, you know, the flu and say measles that are airborne, where you walk in a room like with measles or with uh, this COVID Omicron, you walk in a room, you know, you look around, nobody's there. You've got you've got uh, coronavirus Omicron, and then you oh, nobody's here. You walk out, another guy walks in the room, looks around, breathes in the air you breathed out, and that other guy can get measles or can get coronavirus. That is airborne. That's what we mean by airborne. Norovirus is not airborne. Um, sometimes it is described by doctors as airborne, but technically, I'll explain why, okay? Technically, what has to happen is there's two ways for the particles to go into the air. One, somebody vomits right in front of you and it splashes on the floor or whatever, and aerosol particles that you can't even see whirl around, okay, with I think a 13 meter radius. I think it's 13, or maybe it's 13 feet. That would make more sense, wouldn't it? Anyways, it's a lot. Um, and those particles land on your lip, and then you lick your lip, you know, or they land on your hand, and you put your hand in your mouth, and then you can get sick. Or if someone has a diarrhea, like I'm usually a child, this is gonna be a child, right? And then you get them off the toilet and you you kind of look and you flush the toilet, those particles become airborne and they can land on your mouth as well without you knowing. Um, this is called a fomite transmission. Fomite being those airborne particles. So fomite transition and airborne transmission are two different things. And at first, scientists thought that coronavirus, I don't know why I keep talking about coronavirus, but anyway, COVID, they thought that COVID was a fomite transmission, which is why they said you could wear a cloth mask, you could you should wipe your groceries off and all this stuff because they thought it was, you know, when people sneezed or coughed, uh, that the that the fomite, the little particles, uh, came to you and you breathe them up your nose. And but now they know it's actually airborne, which is much, 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 much more contagious. And that's why cloth masks are not found to be helpful anymore. You really do need a surgical mask, or um, or uh, one of those N95 or CAN99, one of those heavy duty kinds of masks to protect yourself from COVID. Um, if you've got a pretty good, sturdy, you know, say you have one of those uh, medical surgical disposable masks and you've got COVID and you walk in the room and you look around and uh, nobody's here and you leave, then when the next guy comes in the room, then that next guy's going to be safe because you didn't breathe your COVID all over the place. And that's why people want masking. It, it's not so much for you, really. I mean, it gives you a little bit of protection, but it doesn't give you a lot. Why do I keep talking about COVID? Okay, I'm going to stop now. All right, so different. That's what I'm trying to say. It's very different from norovirus, right? Um, now, 
how long it incubates depends on how much of the virus you ingest or what your viral load is. So if you get quite a bit of viral load, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be sick from that virus in 12 hours. If you don't get as much, it might be 48 hours. Usually it's about 24. Viral load comes into play as well later when, when I might be talking about, you know, kind of treating um, the virus and and how and how that would would all work. Um, now oh, my computer's gone off. Okay, so so what happens? Um, how it works? Some people are interested in this. Um, you swallow the virus. Um, it incubates in in your small intestine and and your stomach. Apparently, um, it it doesn't take very many microscopic particles to make you sick. The virus multiplies in the lining of your small intestine and um, attaches itself and then it releases its genome or its biogenes. Those genes shut down the cell and start taking control in order to make more viruses. And your cells are like a factory. This is pretty much true for all viruses as well, but you're, you're, they're multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And then your cells kind of explode. It's called lice, L-Y-S-E. So then it, they can just keep going and make more cells and more and more and more. And while this is happening, your immune response recognizes that the cells are dying and T cells allow, allow your body to make a, uh, to mount an immune response against it. They go to B cells and produce antibodies, and the antibodies travel to your small intestine and they inactivate the virus. Now, your small intestine is the part that's attached to your stomach. So it's like right at the top, you know? Um, so vomiting and diarrhea are like a secondary response. Part of it is trying to get all of this virus out. Uh, that's one way. You, you need to get a bunch of it out. Um, and and then the rest, your immune system will just kill off. And so it, there is no cure for norovirus. It needs to run its course until it's killed off by your immune system. If you only have a very small viral load, by the way, your, your immune system can very well take care of that without getting you sick. Um, or you might just get diarrhea when everybody else gets, you know, it all depends on your viral load. How much of it did you swallow? Nobody will ever know that. So, you know, um, yeah. So how do we, how do we get rid of it? You know, like what to, what do we do? Um, we, we need to, um, oh, okay. Neuroviruses die at 65 degrees Celsius. Okay. Which is Get your Alexa or something to convert that to Fahrenheit if you live in the United States. Every other country in the world, 65 degrees. Um, I just know that the hot water cycle on your washing machine is plenty hot. It's it's almost always 65 degrees. If something's wrong with your hot water tank or whatever, the dryer gets higher than 65 degrees. So don't rinse out sheets and clothing and then hang them out on the line. They're still going to be absolutely ridden with norovirus particles so you got to put them in the washer on the hot cycle if you can add bleach like to whatever it is that you're washing that's a bonus um but 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 up in the um up in the 
in the dryer. Um, so your cooked food is usually has to be cooked to 74 degrees Celsius. And don't forget, norovirus dies at 65. So you cooked food, if nobody has touched your cooked food, is perfectly safe to eat. It doesn't matter what food it is. Okay. Um, raw food, not as much. A lot of food poisoning, I think I read somewhere 70% of food poisoning is actually norovirus from the hands of the people who prepared your food or the people who picked the raspberries or whatever. Um, so if you have a salad, you know, and fresh fruit and so on, yeah, you should wash it. That'll help. Um, and for the most part, you know, there, I know I'm talking to people in several countries. I don't really worry in Canada. We do have things recalled sometimes um, because of norovirus. And that, that just happens. That happens sometimes. Um, there's not a lot you can do. But for the most part, food is safe. People talk a lot online on Facebook about safe foods. This is a safe food. That's a safe food. This isn't, you know. Um, first of all, all food is safe if you live in a first world country. And if you're listening to a podcast, I'm pretty sure you do. Um, if food is safe to eat, it, it, you know, otherwise billions of us would be dying or sick all the time. Everybody would be sick all the time and they're not right. So food is safe to eat, eat your food. Um, and the second half of that is there is no food 100% safe. It doesn't matter what it is. Someone could have touched that food and had fecal matter on their hand. You don't know that. It, this is a risk that we all take every day. When you get in a car, you take a risk that you're going to get to your destination without getting uh, seriously injured or killed, even though that is way more probable than getting sick from the food we eat. So unfortunately, part of getting over emetophobia is to learn how to live with risk. We all do it all the time. And um, this is just one other place where we have to live with a certain amount of risk. Small though, food is safe, food is safe. Um, when is it contagious is, is a, a very good question. Well, and it has a tricky answer. This is a very tricky answer, okay? First of all, it is contagious if someone vomits in front of you, um, even in a toilet and you're, you know, holding their hair back, uh, that, that can happen. If you go over to the sink and, you know, wash your face, that, that's probably a good thing. It also um, can, so if someone is sick in your house, um, in the bathroom, especially where they are sick, the fomite, the the particles will spray from the toilet um, to the the taps on your uh, to the countertops of your sink, to the light switch, to the doorknob, to the floor. So these are all the places you have to think about cleaning after the first. Just let the person, you know, if you only have one bathroom, then I would suggest you go in there with a mask on if you can. And um, wash your hands um, and then dry them with a paper towel and use the paper towel to shut off the tap. 
and to open the door knob and to turn out the light and then throw that paper towel away somewhere else. Um, this is not being crazy. This is, um, you know, how you can prevent getting it if somebody has it in your house. Um, if you've got a child that you're looking after, you're holding a bowl for them, you're with them in the bathroom, you can wear a mask. The mask isn't because you're going to breathe in the norovirus. It's because you, the particles won't touch your mouth. And if you get them on your hand before you wash your hand, you won't touch your mouth or put your finger all the way up your nose. Okay. Um, you know, some people talk about, can you get it from touching your face? Well, no, you can't get it from touching your face. You can only get it from touching your mouth. Um, and and there has to be enough of it on your hand and you have to ingest what, you know, put your finger in your mouth or something like that. So hand washing is imperative. Um, you don't need to scrub your hands raw. Um, should I talk about hand washing now? Yes, I will. I'll talk about hand washing now. The best way to, um, quote, kill, unquote, norovirus is with soap and water and washing your hands. It's better than any hand sanitizer or any chemical. Does it kill the virus? No, it does not. What it does, it washes it down the sink. So, so soap loosens all of the virus because it's really slippery it loosens it all on your hands and then you rinse and rinse until you've rinsed away all of the soap and then the norovirus particles are gone and your hands are clean um, you must wash your hands for 20 seconds some people talk about singing happy birthday i i sing the abc song i didn't know about happy birthday but you can also set a little timer um, and I've discovered now with my new Apple Watch, with the newest generation Apple Watch, that it knows when you're washing your hands by the way you're moving your hands, and it will count down from 20 seconds for you, and then it'll buzz on your wrist when the 20 seconds are up, which I think is so cool. I love technology. Anyways, um, washing, your, washing your hands is, is the best way um, to kind of be rid of it. Um, and and then clean up. Um, uh, one thing I found in my research in an article for the CDC by Dr. Ralph Morris and uh, Barbara Soule, they did a study and found that healthcare workers wash their hands less than half the number of times that they should. So if you wonder why it goes around hospitals, nursing homes, that's why they don't wash their hands the way that they should or the number of times that they should. Um, and when I say they, of course, that's not, you know, there were some uh, nurses who washed their hands hundreds of times a day and others who who would wash them, I guess, 50 or less or I don't know uh, exactly. But healthcare workers spread it around nursing homes and um, and children spread it around schools with their poor hygiene. They throw up in a classroom in front of, you know, and then the fomites, they spray around and other kids get them or in the washrooms, you know, and they don't wash their hands and then they touch everything. And who knows how much fecal matter is on their hands. And then it uh, it goes to, you know, another kid touches that desk or or whatever um yeah so where how else can you get uh norovirus so 
those are basically the ways. Now, one of the things that I can't stand about the CDC website, which is, of course, factually accurate, but one of the things it says, and then it's copied into hundreds or thousands of other websites, is that you get it from being in close contact with other people. What does that mean? What does that actually mean? Sitting beside them? No, you can't get it that way. Uh, sharing a drink with them? Nope, can't get it that way either. Um, you know, e eating off the plate they ate off yesterday when it's only been rinsed? No, no, you can't get it that way. It's not being in close contact. It's having poor hygiene while being in close contact or being very close to them when they are vomiting. So it's that's what that means. Um, and I know that was a question a lot of you had uh, because that throws people off. The other place you can get it, of course, is from oysters raw, like uh, other shellfish if you ate it raw. Not fish. You can eat all the sushi you want, but um, a lot of sh uh, shellfish uh, you can you can certainly. O oysters um, are often farmed. But what what happens is the oyster, it kind of acts as a reservoir for outbreaks because, you know, the sewage sometimes goes into the ocean without being treated. And that that's not normal. Okay, that doesn't normally happen. And it's not supposed to happen, not in the first world, but sometimes it does. So the sewage sediment in the ocean gets picked up by the oysters and they filter the sediment. Um, sometimes people say, oh, you can only get, you can only get sick from oysters if you eat them in a month with an R in it, you know, from September to April or I don't know, whatever. Anyway, that's false. That's not true. You can get it at any time. You need to cook shellfish to an internal temperature of 65 degrees Celsius. That will kill norovirus. So if you want to eat lobster crab, um, I don't, I don't know. I'm allergic to it all. So uh, ooh, what, what are those things that Gordon Ramsay always cooks? <laughs> the round flat things. Um, I don't have anyone here to help me. Yeah, you got to cook them to 65 degrees Celsius. Get yourself a good thermometer if you don't have one now for food. Um, the other place that uh, oysters can pick it up. And this is really gross when you think about it, but fishing vessels, they just flush into the sea. Like they don't have sewage treatment plants. And also sometimes beachgoers use the ocean as a toilet. And that will definitely, you know, get norovirus into the ocean and ocean doesn't kill it, you know. so. Um, yeah, sorry, I got a cat really bugging me. Go away, cat. <laughs> My little bits and pieces here. Um, yeah, the, someone I, I know is kind of afraid of pearls because pearls are inside oysters, but pearls do not filter norovirus. Pearls are um, washed very carefully when they come out of an oyster and they only need to be rinsed, to be perfectly honest. Um, you could always wash your pearls, if you, but you have to be very careful washing real pearls or they will scratch. Um, so that these are just a few um, of the uh, 
places where you can get norovirus. Direct contact with an infected person, meaning swallowing those fomites um, from food or from water that's been infected from surfaces, you know, where you put your hand in your mouth um, and uh, out from shellfish that's raw. Um, the CDC also says don't prepare food when you're sick with norovirus for two days. That's odd. You know, I mean, that's an odd thing to say. I, I kind of looked it up and, and, and went, why? Why, ca why can't you prepare food? I don't understand. Uh, are you going to poop in the food? Uh, are you going to vomit on the food? I don't, I don't get it. You know, I think that they just assume, the CDC, that everyone is filthy, disgusting, and, and poops, wipes their bum, doesn't wash their hands, and then goes and makes a salad for everyone. I don't know. But if you don't do that, you can certainly prepare food. It, it seems ridiculous. I think it also um, keeps restaurant workers away um, because restaurant workers can spread quite a bit of norovirus if they don't have really good hygiene. And I hate to say it. I, I'm sorry to say it. I love America and Americans, but America is one of the worst places um, for, for just, I think it's just the idea of having very little regulation compared to the countries that they all call communists, like Canada. And, uh, you know, um, England and France and Spain and Germany and, you know, we're, we're all communists. We're not. We're not. We're not even socialists. Uh, we're capitalists just like you are. But but we do have some more socialists. Kind of, we have more regulation. We do have more regulation. So, um, yeah, that that's what I think it's it's about. Um, what do you use to clean your bathroom? This is something that has been asked over and over. Um, so now there used to be a teaspoon of bleach per liter or quart uh, of water. Now they're saying five to 25 tablespoons per gallon. So that would be, you know, two and a half or three tablespoons if you want to have overkill three tablespoons in a quart or a liter of water. So if you get one of those spray bottles from the dollar store and they're all so useless, you might as well buy them from the dollar store. Man, that's one of my pet peeves. Boy, they break in like two or three months and nothing comes out. And then you're like, ah, oh, go back to Canadian Tire. You think if you went to Canadian Tire, I know just everyone else in the world talk amongst yourselves. Canadians, you think you'd have something good, a little better quality if you go to Canadian Tire and get it. No, no. No, you'll pay $6 for it. Go to the dollar store. Okay, so one of those spray bottles is a liter, generally. Four cups, a quart, if you're in America. Um, you want to put three tablespoons of bleach into that water when, when once you fill it up or put it in first, fill it up. If you want to go crazy like a crazy lunatic with cleaning, Put in four tablespoons, which is a quarter cup. Don't put any more in it. Don't clean up with pure bleach or make half of that bottle bleach. There is absolutely no reason to do that. It is like stepping, you know, seeing an ant and saying, we must get an elephant over here to step on it. Because if I step on it, 
could still be alive. Like, no, 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 no. You don't need an elephant to step on your ant, okay? If you have pure bleach, for one thing, you could get sick from that. Never mind ruin your clothes, because you do have to spray it everywhere and let it sit there. So <laughs> uh, you can get quite sick from inhaling that. You know, we've got this COVID going around. If you've damaged your lungs by inhaling bleach, which you will if you use it straight, uh, and then, you, you know, a virus comes around, respiratory virus, you're going to be uh, pretty much powerless against it. Okay. So, um, uh, laundry, right. Oh, I talked about that already. Hot, hot dryer. Yeah, that'll be. That'll be plenty. Bleach in the water, in the sprayer, can be cold water. Uh, bleach works best with cold water, according to my son-in-law. So I, I think he, I think he knows what he's talking about. Bleach in the cold water. You can never get the water hot enough to put your hand, put it in your hand anyway. And what you want to do with that spray bottle is you want to spray your entire bathroom, like. The whole thing, if you can spray your ceiling, go ahead, although that's doubtful, you're going to be licking the ceiling anytime soon. But, you know, spray your tub and your toilet and your sink, all your faucets, the flusher handle or the buttons of the flusher of your toilet uh, down the sides of the toilet, the countertops, the light switch. got to be a little careful. You don't want to be spraying too much into electricity with water and spray the door handle. Um, then leave it for five minutes. It probably only takes two to three to kill the norovirus, but just leave it on for five minutes. Go away for five minutes. Look at your phone, set a little timer, come back, and then you can, you know, wipe it so it's not all wet everywhere. You can wipe it down. And presto, changeo, your bathroom will be free of norovirus. Uh, you know, you can go spray every doorknob in the house. Like if you really think someone in your family is going to be having norovirus and not washing their hands, like I would read them the riot act personally and uh, stand outside the bathroom door and make sure that they wash their hands when they come out. If you're not sure, then you want to spray other surfaces in and your kitchen, your handles of everything in your kitchen, like your stove and your fridge and your microwave um, faucets and all the doorknobs in the house, the countertops. And then you might want to uh, wash your kitchen floor, your bathroom floor, mop it with a similar bleach solution of five to 25 tablespoons in a gallon of water or four liters of water. All right, so that's pretty much, I'm sorry to be jumping around here, but uh, I, I do have a couple of little things. One thing, I was on the CDC site, of course, uh, in the past couple of days, and it, they said on that site the number of outbreaks in 2021 was much less than the previous eight years. And I know that a lot of you on the Facebook groups, are, you know, have have been freaking out that there's norovirus everywhere, as some people say. It's actually much less than it ever has been before. And I think that's because people are wearing masks, so they're not getting these fomites in their mouth. And they're washing their hands because everybody and their dog on TV tells you to watch your hand, wash your hands. And so people are getting a little better at it. I still think they don't wash them long enough. Uh, I, I see people come into the women's washroom and get the soap, get the water, 
do 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 five seconds and they leave. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, you need another 15 seconds on there. But but anyway, it's probably going to be better than nothing. All right, that's that piece of paper. Um, can you uh, prevent norovirus? I've already talked a little bit about the vaccine and why it's so difficult. Uh, they really do want a vaccine for norovirus, but just trying to figure out logistically how that would work is something that, you know, they they know, they they have, they know how to do it. They just don't know how to do it and convince people to go for it every year because most grownups don't get norovirus. So, you know, they don't, they don't really think about it. There's a lot of talk about grape juice, and this is a huge myth, and I'm going to explain it now and, and quote some sources for you. Um, the myth is that if you drink grape juice or you feed it to your children, it will change the pH in their intestinal tract, um, and uh, that is not true. It's just simply not true. The virus survives pH changes. Okay, it, you know, it, it doesn't care that there is a change in the pH, it can survive that. Um, and so here I have a quote from a from um, today's parent, um, Toronto pediatrician Dina Kulik, who writes for today's parents, um, calls the idea nonsensical, adding that there is no evidence that any food or drink can prevent the illness. And then she adds, I don't recommend any juice for kids at all, actually. And I mean, that's certainly true. I think when I was raising my kids, my kids are in their 30s, late 30s and 40s now, we, we gave them juice. We didn't realize how much sugar was in that juice. Uh, they don't add the sugar, the fruit has it already in, but um, juice has the has like the juice of a lot of apples, for example. And so it gets the, the sugar uh, fructose or wh whatever you want to call it from all like lots of apples. So it really is very high in sugar, it can make kids hyperactive. It can give them mood swings. It can give them crashes in blood sugar. Kids should drink water. And that's sort of all there is to it. Kids should drink water. And maybe every once in a while, you take them to McDonald's and for a treat, they could have a little juice, apple juice or something. Um, Kulik also says that if you really want to prevent norovirus, the best thing you and your kids can do is to wash your hands. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, and so that, that is, that is her. Um, okay. So I've talked about bleach and um, the other there are a couple other things that kill norovirus. Peroxide will kill norovirus, especially in certain combinations, uh, which I'll get into in a minute. And the other chemical that's really great for killing norovirus is benzylconium chloride. And it's spelled a couple of different ways, benzylconium with a K, chloride. You can find that in a lot. It, it's called quats. A lot of restaurants use it. Um, and it it kills yeah kills everything pretty much yeah i mean it's a it's a microbial killer now i did um download 
from the Environmental Protection Agency. This is in America. Um, the EPA's registered antimicrobial products effective against norovirus bulletin. Okay, I have it here. It is six pages long. And unfortunately, it is in numerical order of, of the, uh, the registration numbers of these products. So if you're not in America, you may recognize some of these. I'm just, I'm not going to read six pages worth, but I thought I'd highlight a few. And you can certainly Google EPA registered antimicrobial products effective against norovirus. All right, so the peroxide multi-surface cleaner, Comet disinfecting bath. I remember Comet used to be the only thing we ever had to clean the bathtub. Um, micro kill. I don't even know what that is. You probably don't have it in Canada. Um, Maquat in a lot of forms, M-A-Q-U-A-T. Uh, and I imagine that is quats or benzylconium chloride. This doesn't give the ingredients here. Clorox, of course, in Canada, it's called Javex. And I forget what it's called in the United Kingdom um, and Ireland. Uh, I, anyway, it, it's bleach. Anyway, right? Microkill bleach germicidal bleach wipes. So sometimes you get those wipes. We get Lysol wipes here. They have bleach in them. Some of them have benzylconium chloride. Um, dispatch hospital cleaner disinfectant with bleach. Other ones called Shield Rex Carb. Uh, there's one called Blondie and one called Dagwood. Uh, what is that? <laughs> Blondie and Dagwood, get them over to clean. Uh, Boris, Buster, and Milo. I don't know what these things are. They kill norovirus. Spray 9, that's something we get in Canada. Bardak, Lonza, Nugen. Um, here's one, TNT. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, just blow that, blow that norovirus to kingdom come. To light a match, TNT, you're good. Yeah, no, obviously it's the name of something. Uh, it's got a registration number with the EPA. Tecumseh hype wipe. Um, okay, Oxivir and Oxy. There are some Oxy uh, sprays and so on that I've noticed have peroxide of some kind. You can check ingredients and they would probably all work. Um, what else we got on the last page here? Enviro cleanse, performicide. I imagine these are janitorial. Uh, here's one Lex Liquid, <laughs> Lex Luthar of Leech Killer, Lex Liquid, sanitizer and cleaner concentrate. Uh, and, and the latest one to get a registration number Force of Nature activator capsule. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like. Maybe it's environmentally friendly. Bleach itself and peroxide aren't too bad for the environment. I don't know about quats. I couldn't tell you. Um, but I do know that I have benzylconium chloride wipes in my car. Um, okay. Awesome. Now I'm going to get to your, uh, I'm going to get to your question. Some of your questions, see if I haven't um, covered it, covered them or not. Um, I'm going to start with, um, I don't know if a lot of you know that I started a new Facebook group called Emetophobia No Panic. So if you want to go to a Facebook group with other emetophobic people and not see all those panic posts, 
um, but rather talk to people about how you're recovering or how they have recovered, you'll see that this is a, a great group. It's only got a couple hundred people in it. And I'm sure I've, I have um, disallowed that many people to join because simply because they didn't answer the questions. So when you go to join the group, there's three questions, I think. They're really easy to answer and uh, no reason why you shouldn't answer them. Because if you don't answer them, then you can't get approved. Um, anyway, emetophobia, no panic. So let's start with the questions there. Um, someone says, how to not fear the absolute worst if you happen to catch one? Well, um, I, I understand that. I caught one. I had it in 2010. And I can tell you it was not the absolute worst. It wasn't that bad. So I thought the worst thing about it was not the vomiting. It was just how sick you felt when you're laying there. Honestly, like you've got aches, you've got a fever, you, you've got um, just malaise, you know, just the, which is just the feeling of feeling so ill. I thought that was way worse and complete fatigue, like because you can't sleep or whatever. Um, so how do you not fear the worst? You really need a course of, of therapy to get over your emetophobia. Lots of great therapists out there now. Um, and this person also says, some coping skills that have helped in the past to help the person calm down while going through the symptoms. Well, you know, in, in you've always got your breath, right? You've got your breath. Uh, and that is the best thing to slow your heart down and that will help you remain calm. Um, okay, next person, how long are you contagious for? I, I went over that. How to safely get through a bug? When when can you start sipping clear liquids? That's a very good question. Oh, and what it, what is it like? Okay, so what's it like? Um, are you vomiting for twenty four hours? No, you're not vomiting for twenty four hours in a row. Some people will say that. Oh, I vomited for thirty hours straight. I don't believe them. I don't think you could do that actually, and not be dehydrated and end up in the hospital. But you, you will vomit a few times over the course of a few hours. As an adult, and please let me underline the word adult, okay? Children, I'll get to in a minute. As an adult who is not an elderly, weak, frail, sick person already, healthy adult, you should wait until you have not vomited for two hours before you try any liquid at all. Don't even rinse your mouth with water. Don't brush your teeth. Just like don't take sips of water because here's what happens. You take a sip of water and you sip a tablespoon of water and then it makes you throw up again and you throw up a cup full of, you know, bile and stomach fluid or whatever. That's how, that's going to dehydrate you. Okay. So don't drink water after every time you vomit. A lot of people do that and that keeps the vomiting going and going and going. The way that I discovered this wonderful trick is when I worked in a hospital as a chaplain, which I did as part of my uh, healing journey from emetophobia. And if someone was vomiting, they had these little signs in red that they would stick up right over the top of someone's bed. Nothing by mouth. Nothing by mouth. Were those people on IV fluids? Generally, they were, but not always. So the nurses would keep an eye on them. You know, keep sticking your tongue out for somebody in your house. As long as they can see a lot of spit on it. If you 
if you pinch the skin on your arm and it goes right back to where it was when you let go, you're probably okay. If it stays stuck up, anything like that, you know, you should, then you, you could be getting dehydrated. But if you wait two hours, and if you haven't vomited for two hours, then you take just a little sip of water, little a few ice chips, just, just to kind of coat your mouth. And if that's okay, then 10 minutes later, you take another little sip of water and you go like that and you continue until you can drink a little bit and then maybe a bit of apple juice, a bit of Pedialyte, which is for grownups as well as kids or Gatorade, uh, I should call it sports drinks, a, li a little bit of that. Make sure whatever you have is clear uh, for the 24 hours following, you know, your virus and your vomiting and diarrhea. Um, as long as it's clear and not red, you can see through it. Yeah, that's that's great. So not red, perfectly clear, ice chips, tiny bit, two hours. All right, that's adults. Remember I underlined that? Children. Children are different. Children can dehydrate in a heartbeat. Well, not a heartbeat, but you, you don't realize how quickly they can dehydrate because they're little, they're tiny little things. And so you've kind of got to get them with a little bit of teaspoon of water, though. Just a teaspoon. Don't let them take a drink because they'll just throw it up, you know. Um, and And keep an eye on those children like a hawk. You sit beside them. If you're too scared, and I understand that, get someone else to sit beside them. Anybody, a friend, if you don't have a relative, explain your situation. Okay. Get somebody to sit beside them and make sure they stick their tongue out. They've got lots of liquid and saliva. If they look really, really drowsy and, you know, just not themselves, take them to a children's hospital or any hospital that you emergency, take them to emergency. They might need an IV started so that they they can rehydrate, you know. But generally, kids, I mean, get this and they bounce back from it. Um, with kids, they tend to overdo it as soon as they can with their eating and their drinking. So you should go from, like, they don't want to spend a whole day on clear fluids. They'll be hungry and they're going to want something. And then you give them toast and then they throw up and it's already been a day. And you're like, now what? What? I don't get it. I thought it was a 24-hour you know, virus and now, now what's happening. So anyway, watch kids, watch the old, uh, uh, older people, elderly people, I should be saying. Yeah. Um, how long are you contagious before showing symptoms and after? Good point. Generally speaking, you may be shedding some of it in your stool before you show symptoms, but not very long before. So, you know, you don't really need to worry about before. Um, uh, you know how you catch it now. So the most that people will be shedding, and we're talking viral load again, is going to be two days after they got better. So they probably have a whole day of being sick, and then the next day they're better, and then a couple days after that, that's when they're going to be the most contagious. They're going to be shedding so much of it. However, they also continue to shed some through the next two weeks. So you've got to make sure that those people are washing their hands after they use the bathroom for a bowel movement. You, um, a lot of 
people have children under three years of age who are in diapers and they don't think a week and a half later that, that, that changing their diaper, that the mom or the dad who's changing the diaper needs to wash their hands, but they do. So for the next two weeks, um, the sick person must follow very strict hygiene, um, both at home and uh, at school or at work. Um, how long would it stay on somebody? So you hear so-and-so had, had a norovirus. Do you want to, uh, that was on Wednesday. Do you want to go over on Friday or Saturday and play cards? Well, you don't want to go to their house, right? I don't blame you. I don't know if I'd want to go to their house because I don't trust that they do all this stuff after, you know, I don't trust they clean up properly. And um, also the virus can stay on surfaces for a couple of weeks as well. It's probably only active enough to make you sick for about nine days nine days, eight days, nine, you know, a week, they say generally. Um, and again, it's hard to tell because how much it was on there. If you could see visibly poop smeared somewhere, that's going to have billions of particles and in it, and, and you only need 100 to get sick, so, or less, or less than 100. Um, but if it's microscopic, you know, I don't know. I, it's really hard to tell. Um, Clarify how it's spread. You have to be exposed. If you don't touch it, you'll be okay. This person says, however, that's not my experience. I'm not sure what their experience would be, though. Um, you have to touch it and the actual fluids, and they, then you have to put your hand in your mouth. Um, ways to minimize nausea. Well, if it's nausea before, if you catch norovirus, you're going to be vomiting. Um, drugs like um, Dramamine or Gravol in Canada, they don't have this in the UK, I don't think, could help you if you catch it before you start vomiting or Imodium before you start having diarrhea, but not if you already are vomiting, you will, you'll just vomit it up. Uh, um, even something like Ondansetron, yeah, if you can catch it before, um, that would that would help, but the nausea, yeah, nausea is pretty bad, isn't it? Best advice you have for enduring a household traumatic event like this? Well, I think my advice is to try really hard and, and hopefully work with a therapist. Um, try to work hard on your catastrophizing thoughts. Okay, this is not a traumatic event. It's just a harmless virus that's annoying and nobody likes it. It's annoying because it you're, you're down and out for a couple of days. It's annoying because if your kids have it, you have to clean up, you have to wa uh, watch, you have to look after them. It's annoying. It's but, And it's a situation that's happened. Oh, my whole house has norovirus. Okay, everybody knows what that's about. Um, you know, but it's not going to harm you. It's not dangerous. You're, you'll get through it. Um, and And so... That's really the only advice I have. And I know it's not much to just hear me say that. You really do um, have to, you know, have somebody to help you through that. How to stay calm when overhearing comments like it's going through the school, it's going through the community, it's really bad this year. My kid was sick last night. Yeah, how not to ruminate over those for hours on end. That's another recovery and therapy um, question. I mean, 
we the problem is that we phobics catastrophize about all all of that. Like we hear that and then we're like, oh my gosh, this is a horrible, horrible tragedy. It's it's like a, a mass murder scene or something. And it's not. It's not. It's just it's it's okay. It's okay, really. It's not as bad as you think. Not at all. It's really mostly it's just annoying. And you don't want you don't want it. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. But you don't need to be afraid of it. You really don't. Um, okay. After someone's been sick, I answered that. Um, all the precautions with COVID have an impact on the spread. Yes, they have. They've had a huge impact on the spread of norovirus. Uh, masks in particular. How bad can it really get that people say they've been sick for days? Yeah, yeah, you can make yourself sick for sick for days by continuing to drink or trying to eat before your stomach has because your stomach is a reflex and more so with kids who have um, a very immature gut your gut doesn't really mature till your puberty when you're about 13 so with kids they can throw up two or three days later just because their stomach is irritated and it's on like a quick trigger you know um and um yeah, so you know, you you won't be vomiting. Like people think, oh, I'm afraid it it won't stop. It'll stop. Start vomiting, it'll stop. If it doesn't stop, for heaven's sake, gain. We're all in a first world 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 countries. Go to an A and E or an ER, and they will stop it. There's so many drugs they can put in your IV and uh, right away, or just give you a shot of something right away. It will stop it. Um, um, this person says, how likely is it you'll get norovirus this year or any year? The CDC says the average person gets noro five times in their life. That could be. Um, I don't I don't know. When I was younger, there was no internet. I don't know why I was sick. I know I had it when I was 16. And then, um, and then I had it like I was 16 in what year? Uh, 74 or something. I didn't have it again until 2010. My husband has never had it, never does a thing to try not to have it. Nothing. Um, he's like, wash your hands. Well, he does now because of COVID. But, but before that, it was like, oh, I, I don't understand. Like, you wash your hands in the shower in the morning. What's, what's the problem? Anyway, um, I, I would think you wouldn't get it very often children it can go through schools and as i said there are so many variables and so many um uh variants and and so on now that that it's um you could even get it more than once in a year because it's a different virus um how can a child having it not panic over it this is happening now. Several of her friends have had it. She had a panic attack at school. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, she really needs some help. She needs um, a really good uh, psychologist for children who can help her to get over this um, because it's not something to panic over. It's not dangerous. Um but there, you know, there's there'll be no talking to her. Um, children are are you know, they do recover from emetophobia quite easily with the right help. So that's the good news. Uh, other people are talking about that. Okay, how to stay calm. Um, 
Yes, this person has secondary emetophobia. Me too. I had that afraid of other people being sick. Um, oh, my son has had stomach bugs a few times. And the worry I feel for him anytime I hear of stomach bugs going around is unbearable. Okay, mom, well, you don't have to worry for him. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry that you're worrying. It's a harmless virus. Okay. And it can't hurt him. And if he doesn't have a metaphobia, he won't care. I mean, he might cry and they hate it because you're sick. Right. But you know, the kids, my grandkids downstairs right now who live here, they're crying because they have a bad cold and they're coughing and, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, cleaning products went over that. Um, how far norovirus germs really spread? Yes. And I think it's 13 feet radius, which um, uh, someone, believe it or not, who was it? Um, Conan O'Brien, I think, that has uh, vomiting Ken or something. Uh, the scientists in in the UK have have figured out how to how to have a like a a robot that vomits, like just um, these particles of like that light up in the dark. And and the Ken, the robot, is in a glass cage, square glass, and then they have him like simulate vomit and then they turn the lights out and they can see that they do go quite far in quite quite a radius um gee i wish i knew if i will put in the notes okay i will figure out whether it's 13 feet or 13 meters and i'll put them in the notes you can just look at the show notes um okay and uh oh what is this person um oh yes this is a great question if someone hasn't washed their hands, okay, so they have it on their hands, they didn't wash their hands. Then they drive to after school club and touch a door handle. Then I touch the door handle. Then I touch my hair. Then my hair blows in my mouth. Will I be ill? Answer is no, you will not be ill. That is way too many um, points of contact. You need to worry about, not worry, because you shouldn't be worried, but you need to think about direct contact. Someone with norovirus, touches, what did they touch first? Um, they drive to after school club. So they touch the, the wheel of the car and then you get in the car and grab, hold the steering wheel. Uh, but if you're doing that, you know they have norovirus. So if you know that they're in your house and they refuse to wash your hands, then for heaven's sake, wipe off the steering wheel, you know? But but it it's just not, you know, one of my clients was helped a little bit one time when I talked about my daughter, uh, my granddaughter, I should say, Ayla, who was born with uh, a big hole in her diaphragm. Long, It's a very serious birth defect. Um, long story short, when the baby came home, they said like she had this brand new diaphragm all sewed up, you know, and the doctor said, try to make sure she doesn't get a norovirus or a cold, we don't want her coughing or vomiting just yet, if possible, because of the use of the diaphragm in both of those exercises. <laughs> and so they said, when everyone who comes in your house should walk in your house and wash their hands, and then, you know, and then preferably maybe change their shirt before they pick up the baby. They did not say, oh, watch out if you 
go to after school club and you touch a doorknob and then your hair and then you you know like that no they basically they said everyone wash their hands and if you've been out and you're not a member of the family change your shirt or put put something over your shirt before you pick up the baby that's it and that baby could have died that baby could have died from vomiting at that point um, she's fine now, by the way. She's turning six in, a, in one week from today, and she's great. But yeah, I I wrote a blog about it. If you go to my website at ametophobiahelp.org, go to the blog, and it's something like six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon is uh, something like that is is the blog that actually explains why that's just not a thing. So so just worry about your own hands, your own mouth and and you'll be fine um is it possible for someone to have natural immunity to noro i think that it's something to do with your blood type yes that is true um people with b in their blood uh, either b or ab blood have some form of immunity it is not 100 again viral load right there's no way they could like put really poopy hands right in their mouth be blood and get off scot-free from that like no but there is some immunity if you have b type or ab um okay, but yeah is there going to be a vaccine talked about that how to stop the panic yes is there a gene that makes you resistant to neural i wonder if that person um is really referring to the blood type uh yeah i would think that is true. Okay, I'm just uh, going to go over now to the other set of last set of questions. Okay, so there are a couple of new questions over on the um, Emetophobia Support Private Facebook group, which is the largest one, got about 8,000 members. Um, says you are not alone at the top. And I do hang out there. Um, I don't generally respond to panic posts. And I don't say a lot because you have to censor every word and I can't type as fast when I do that. But um, yeah, I'm there sometimes. Uh, better to go to the emetophobia, no panic, if you want to, to talk to me, although I'm, I'm not there very much. There's such great people on that group right now that honestly, they're amazing. Um, Okay, so this person says, maybe not so much a question, but I think many of us go into a panic for days when we've been exposed. Um, I used to starve myself for days, which many people do. Let me address that first before I read the rest of the question. Please do not starve yourself for days or one day or any days at all. Um, you know, there are lots of foods that you can eat. Okay, this might be a little bit TMI, okay, or a little trigger warning here. I'm going to say something gross, okay? Um, there are foods you don't want to throw up because they're disgusting to throw up, okay? They're wonderful to eat, disgusting to throw up. All I'm going to say is just think about that. Just think about that, okay? And you can eat, like, if you eat something like oatmeal, cream of wheat, toast like this is very benign you know like this will just melt in your stomach and drink some milk milk is a whole food um very good for you if you you know if you have a dairy allergy have some almond milk or coconut or whatever it is that you have um you can have yogurt you know uh, puddings 
gee, there are lots and lots of things you might want to avoid meat, vegetables, fruit, you know, things. uh, Yeah, I'm not going to go into it. Think about it. But please don't starve yourself. I promise you, you don't want to throw up nothing. It feels just as bad, if not worse, to throw up nothing. And you'll be so weak from not eating that you will be a mess. You want to eat. Please eat. Okay. Um, so anyway, this woman continues. My daughter was sick a few weeks ago. I don't really have that option at the moment. Oh, good. Okay. Because she's pregnant. I ate like normal and it helped me move forward in recovery. Good for you. Good for you. Yes, absolutely. It will help you. Some extra tips not to go into a panic for days. Um, I don't know. I really don't have, this is not something that has a quick fix. It is not something I can give tricks or tips. You need to get treatment. I know this person is in treatment. Um, You need to get treatment or you need to get yourself a gosh darn good self-help book like David Veal and Alexandra Keys' Free Yourself from a Metaphobia. Or when you finish that, go to Ken Goodman's The Metaphobia Manual and work hard, hard, hard at those exercises. Um, And that's how you don't go into a panic when you've been exposed. Um, Incubation period, general facts. Yes, yes, I I answered that. I answered that. Got that one. Where do I get this? Um, Contagious up to two weeks after. I know it's in the stool, but how likely is that? I think I was saying before, it's all about viral load. and, And honestly, that's not something we can ever know. And part of getting over this phobia or any phobia is to be able to live with not knowing, not knowing if you'll vomit, not knowing when you'll vomit, not knowing what it will be like. Um, It's something you must come to terms with eventually. And you can work away at that little by little. You can say to yourself, I don't know what's going to happen. And And I, but whatever it is, I can cope with it because you can, you will, time comes, you'll throw up, you'll be like, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, Or you'll be like, this is awful. I don't like this at all. And then you, then you're better the next day. You know, it's, it's okay. It is okay. Uh, Is this on Spotify? Yes, it is. Um, Products that will kill it went through that, which hence, yes, that, that, um, Okay, grape juice. I went over that. Um, How long afterwards? The vaccine, blood types. Um, I want to know. Here's an interesting one. I want to know how people, this is the last question, by the way, without emetophobia, deal with norovirus, both if they know people have it, had it, if they have it themselves, what their thoughts are, what their behavior is. My world is so colored by my phobia. It's really hard to tell what's normal. Yeah. Okay. So good, good question. Um, my daughter is normal. <laughs> She's 36 years old. Um, in 2010, she was 25 or something. We drove um, from Vancouver to uh, Edmonton, Alberta, where she was going to live for a year and do an internship. And um, we were dumb enough to get a stop for gas, get out of the car, fill the car with gas, get back in the car, go into the, into the um, pay place, 
get some licorice all sorts, you know, bring them back, put the bag between us in the car. And, you know, the person who had the dirty hands from the gas pump was handing the other person the candies. So we both got norovirus. Um, she she uh, doesn't ever think about it. Um, I don't either. Now that I'm over my emetophobia, I never think about it. I don't really, I mean, I do some of these hygiene things, obviously, because I don't want it, but I'm not afraid of it. She now, when she pumps gas, she keeps um, benzylconium chloride ha- uh, wipes for hands in the car and sort of a bleach wipe for the steering wheel and all of that. So if she drives through McDonald's after, you know, or I, even after she pumps gas, she, uh, we both do, we wipe our hands and um, before picking up a hamburger, I mean, that's the other way that you could get it, right? It would be on your hand and you'd be holding a hamburger and then you eat the whole thing. Um, so washing hands, hand sanitizer, a hand sanitizer, by the way, that is pure alcohol will not kill norovirus by itself, okay? So, um, and even like benzylconium chloride, you got to leave it on for two minutes or so without wiping it off, or, you know, you've got to leave it on. So better to wash your hands with soap and water, but I think normal people don't think about it. When they have it, they don't like it. And after they get better, they don't think about it again. All right, so that's my podcast for today. It's probably the longest podcast I've ever done. Um, if you have any further questions, um, feel free to uh, go to Metaphobia No Panic. If you've tried to join before and you got declined, it's only because you didn't answer the questions. So go back and try again, answer the questions this time. Um, I don't accept friend requests from people I don't know or clients of mine, um, because I like to keep all that nonsense uh, among my actual friends. But if you send me a message on Messenger, then I'll probably answer, I I answer it, I will answer it if you have a specific question, and then I can post it. Okay, well, it's uh, been kind of fun to do this, actually. Um, Again, I'll I'll put in the notes how far vomiting can the robot uh, sprays the the fomite. Um, and I hope that these facts will help you and help to calm you down about this. It's not nearly, it's not a catastrophe. It's not a tragedy. It's not that bad. It's just something that we don't like, like a really bad flu or cold or COVID. And, um, it's not dangerous. All right. Well, I will be back with another guest next week. Meanwhile, Take care and stay safe.